0: Hi there, folks. On this episode, we speak with Raphael Hupt, founder of the Toucan Protocol, an organization creating transparent and efficient markets for carbon using blockchain Web3. Raphael explains the problems with the voluntary carbon market and how blockchain can help solve one of the greatest challenges of our time. We discuss the mechanisms by which Toucan help carbon credit issuers bridge their credits from legacy infrastructure into programmable tokenized assets compatible with Web3 and how they create pools of tokens that can be traded as a more homogenous asset class with more liquidity and certainty. I hope you enjoy the show. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. So Raphael, thank you so much for joining me today. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about your background uh, and then we can get into Toucan. Sure, good
1: morning or good afternoon wherever you're at. Yeah, my background background is in engineering, so in energy engineering and I think that's what also got me excited obviously about working on climate because you know the energy transition is really just a transition away from fossil fuels and uh, you know solving climate change is also about transitioning away from fossil fuels so that was kind of my my gateway into into toucan really and um my my crypto journey started in 2017 like for so many and um because i was working in the like energy industry i was really excited about this potential of peer-to-peer energy trading. like you know uh, Decentralized production of energy and trading with your neighbors and and all of that. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my first kind of niche and something that I got excited about when I first heard about Ethereum and, and and Bitcoin and I mean some of the other some of the other projects around here like the Brooklyn microgrid, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I got. Really, I got really excited about DAOs back in, in in 2019, and I was kind of experimenting with the idea, like climate change being a, a global coordination failure, and and DAOs and like Web three tools in general being like coordination mechanisms. Like, how could we use some of these technologies to address climate change? And that's how you can begin. So I'll leave it there. Um, yeah. For now.
0: That, no, that makes a lot of sense. A kind of confluence of. Um, solutions and uh, for a very significant problem. Well, okay, well, let's hone in a little bit. Can you please, and, and please, you know, assume that the, the listener here doesn't really understand too much. Sure. Other than that, climate change is certainly an issue. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. assured that they have that point of view, um, or at least something that, you know, carbon itself, there's lots of different um, mechanisms you know by which we're looking at uh dealing with carbon what does Tucan do specifically uh with respect to to carbon and climate change that you've mentioned and, and 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 i guess what what are its core goals sure so
1: you know as you said as we know the the concentration of um atmospheric carbon and like other greenhouse gas emissions is way too high and it keeps getting higher right so we are convinced that carbon markets so the idea of like paying other people to reduce or to remove carbon emissions from the atmosphere or in more broader sense putting a price on carbon and really embedding that price into you know everyday activities and calculations and modeling etc that this is like a necessary path for us to solve climate change and this is a very realistic in my opinion like pragmatic point of view which is that uh, we have so little time to address climate change that I believe that we need to use the tools and the systems that we currently have available to us. And markets are one of the most effective ways to allocate resources to address climate change. Now, the problem is that the carbon markets and um, specifically the voluntary carbon market is really not working at its best. Right. It's a first of all, it's a very, very small market compared to like other markets in the world. Um which has been mostly driven by, or like, you know, mostly driven by NGOs and some kind of, um, I would say, rather like feel-good money. And it's now getting all this attention from big actors like Mac, uh, Apple, uh, Microsoft, uh, you know, Shopify, Stripe, et cetera, uh, and others that are really looking to make a big, you know, a big effort to become carbon neutral or even negative um, companies. But the market is basically is not ready for that for that scale. So with Tukin, we are convinced that the carbon market really lends itself well to being uh, on on a blockchain from from the from the get go. Right. So we believe that we can leapfrog a carbon market V one that is kind of not really running very smoothly and leapfrog directly to like a, a V three of a carbon market that once runs on like Web three uh, technologies. And so basically, what we do with Tukan is that we build the fundamental building blocks that will enable a carbon market to exist and to flourish uh, on the Web3 technology stack. So in practice, we have built different modules. The first one is what we call the carbon bridge. And the carbon bridge essentially is um, is a way to tokenize carbon credits, so existing mm-hmm. carbon credits from the biggest carbon standard, in this case, uh, Vera. And essentially, as a, as a owner of a carbon credit from Vera, you can use the token bridge to transform your, I'll call it like a PDF or like your database entry um, into an actual token, right? And the token is the mm. same. Like it has all the attributes. It's like, you know, it's project specific. Um, so maybe just, you know, because um, that's oftentimes a bit confusing because the carbon market has like different um, different layers. So there's the the voluntary carbon market, which is the one that I'm talking about, which is mm-hmm. really... Um, carbon projects, uh, reforestation projects, renewable energy projects, or projects that really remove emissions from the atmosphere—that um, are, you know, groups or actors doing that—and then others are paying those actors to do that. Um, and so, and the vehicle for exchanging that money is is these carbon credits, right? That essentially are a form of like results based results based finance. And then there is the other side of the carbon market, which is the compliance carbon market, which is um, often, you know, it's basically when when companies are being forced to pay, they're, be, they're be, being forced to pay a carbon price. And that often mm-hmm. comes in a way of a, of so-called emission allowances. So basically, uh, a regulator or a government or something would basically uh, announce the amount of carbon that can be emitted within a certain jurisdiction during one year, and they would give out these, you know, p- rights to, like, Pollution rights or something like that, emission allowances, that the companies then have to have to purchase. So we're not dealing with the second
0: part. Okay, so it's specifically designed for the voluntary sector here, the voluntary markets. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: which is the only kind of true global carbon market that exists, right? Because the, these others are very like local. You you have we have one in Europe, the emission trading system. There's one in California, um, etc. I actually think in Australia as well. And so, so you know. We are we are focused for now, at least on on the volunteer carbon market.
0: Yeah, well, we we had an involuntary or a, 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 a compliance market here that got kind of unwound, actually. So oh. yeah, voluntary <laughs> is very much the the, the foothold, the name in of this the game. market at the moment. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was unfortunate, my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, okay. So let's just let's hone in a little bit then on the big problems, you know, because you've talked about, I guess, the siloed compliance market. But what were some of the big problems with the voluntary market? What you know, some common critiques are you know you hear from people are you know how do you know that you know that the money that you're spending you know you buy a, an airline ticket right and it says yeah. offset your flight uh, how do you know that that's actually going somewhere? So what are some of the big problems that you guys saw and why did you believe that the V3 this Web3 version uh, blockchain based yeah. version is is a solution the leapfrog solution?
1: Yeah, so fundamentally carbon credits are really a, just a bunch of data and signatures from somebody you know attesting that some state change has taken place right so it's mm-hmm. it's a very intangible asset um so sort the of physical asset or something that we that you can touch right so this brings a lot of problems with it because um yeah like you essentially have to trust the actors that tell you that some emission reduction or removal has taken place and um that is, I would say, the first kind of big source of, of you know, the big first question mark is: Did this actually happen? Mm. Then the next one is really around how the market operates. So the voluntary carbon market space, you can think of it more like more like the NFT space, where each carbon credit is kind of unique and uh, it has unique attributes based on which project, which country it's from, which methodology has been used, uh, if there's any co-benefits, like um, some other SDG goals that have been met. Um, so um, the sustainable development goals. So there's all these kind of special attributes that you can collect basically as a carbon project that give you, I would say, some you know unique position in the market. and And ultimately this leads to a market that is not really happening in a, in a, in a liquid form or like on an exchange or something, but it's all like, almost everything is over the counter. So we -hmm. have a market that is almost like most of it is over the counter and, um, which is super opaque because we don't have this transparent pricing. Right. And this means that you as an end buyer, um, you can find the same credits from, from the same project, um, from different buyers at like Sue, like a, very very different prices because
0: sounds like crypto <laughs> yeah
1: exactly but no they're like really really different like you
0: can find i'm being credits, facetious like, and- <laughs> yeah I, I think that's changed a lot and, and i think that yeah. the the, the, the um, parallel is interesting because as markets came I, I mean early crypto when it was all p2p um you know you go to bitcoin uh p2p uh, markets in, yeah. in 2011 12 13 and, and there was different prices but now you have a harmonization so i assume exactly. that there's some sort of parallel there
1: Hundred percent, and um, and so this you know lack of price discovery is really a problem, and specifically a problem for the projects themselves because when they seek to get financed, the the lack of a clear price signal right makes it really hard for them to get financed by by you know traditional um, financiers like banks or something like that because there's mm-hmm. like nobody really knows at which price you're going to be able to sell the product that you that you produce, and then. whenever you have an opaque market it's paradise for for intermediaries right because they know the supply side they know the demand side and they're basically you know brokering deals between both parties and taking a significant cut so when whenever you you know buy carbon credit today it's not rare for you that you know if you pay ten dollars for it that like $5 $5 or something like that would be lost in transit and go to intermediaries and only $5 would actually land in the hand of the project. So, that, you know, that makes for quite an inefficient market when, um, you know, there's not really enough liquidity and a lot of it, like a lot of energy is burnt in the middle. So we believe that by connecting the the, the projects that are, you know, doing the actual work and the buyers and building it on a transparent flat platform like a public blockchain um this really enables for like a much more efficient market and this brings us to the second product that we've built right so the first one being the bridge which brings carbon credits on chain i would you know you can think of it similar to like bringing bringing these credits on chain and having them represented as nfts with like all these fungible uh, lds like, yeah
0: it's like a minting process right it's like a know, minting that's project. my assumption exactly i mean one quick question i've got about this minting process and the bridge in particular is yeah. um do you guys provide a verification over? You know, you, the last thing you want is someone to mint twice, right? So, how, yeah. <laughs> what are the kind of things that you guys provide around that bridge? To because I think that's one of the people people have some criticisms for. Well, their, their misconceptions, perhaps, around some. Not, not I'm not talking about. Um, your product, but in general, the carbon credits, the voluntary credits you might buy, how do you know that someone's not just selling the same credit more than once? And and I'd love to know how you guys deal with that kind of problem when it comes to creating the, the credits on your bridge.
1: Yeah. So it's quite, I mean, if you're familiar with like crypto bridges, there are some similarities here, right? You know, bridges between blockchains, I mean, so essentially our process is, it's relatively simple, is that we ask the user to I mean, don't want to go into too much detail. But basically, you, you generate an NFT on you which is kind of an empty box, right? It's like an empty container. Um, mm-hmm. And then you use this transaction, the, the kind of unique identifier of that NFT. And you would go to the source registry. This is where the credits currently live, right? And you would retire these credits. You would basically destroy the credits. I see. On, in the real world. On that you registry. Provide this, exactly. And you provide this hash. You provide this link to the NFT. We're basically saying, look... This thing over there is now um so you create a pointer to the on-chain, on-chain asset. And then there's a mechanism where we verify that this you know burning in the real world has really taken place. And only if it has taken place, we would go out and like change the state of this NFT that you've created to being like verified. And then you actually provide the serial number of the on like the real world credit in the NFT as well. So there's now a pointer from the NFT. Towards the um, off-chain registry, so it's basically you have pointers both ways, mm. um, and you can never mint a token on chain without basically proving that you have destroyed the token in the real world. So this is this is the V one of the bridge, and mm-hmm. um, using the retirement, like or you know, using retirements as uh, as this mechanism to to provenly move credits from one registry to our token registry. Was the only you know possible way to do this uh, when we when mm. we launched? But in the meantime, Vera has announced that there's now there's like a public consultation going right now where they are talking about introducing an immobilized state, uh, which is which we're really welcoming. So this is the idea of like you don't have to basically destroy the credit over there; you would like immobilize it, which means that it's kind of frozen, and then you would mint the credit on Toucan. And so uh, and right now we're kind of in discussions with the standards and like, you know, what's the best process to, mm-hmm. uh, to create. Cause right now our bridge is a one-way bridge, right? Cause you have to destroy it in the real world. Mm. You move it on 2K and that's now your new home and there's no way back. And now this mobilized state opens the door to having a two-way bridge where we can, you know, actually go back, which I think is really important attribute for like a, you know, for, for such a system because then it allows, you know, credits to freely move on chain, off chain and, mm. um, creates for more efficient pricing and markets.
0: That's fascinating. Thanks for going down that rabbit hole. H- happy for you to go <laughs> to move on now to talk about the other yeah. product, but that was really helpful. Thank you.
1: No, of course. Um so now that we have, you know, these credits and you know, so um we have these credits on the Token registry. We have I think 180 or something different projects on Token right now. And the, the the next step is we call them carbon pools. And carbon pools you have to think a bit like if you're familiar with nftx it has some similarities with that in that we there's basically a policy that is uh, made up for each carbon pool there's there's a specific policy which uh, we call the gating criteria so think of it a bit like you know you have a bouncer uh, in a club and the bouncer has a list of like who who they are allowed to to let in and now you can uh, you can deposit your credits into a pool if it if it you know, has the the attributes that it needs to go into it. So we have, for instance, a nature-based carbon pool, which um, filters for nature-based credits, right? So only mm-hmm. credits that have nature-based methodologies can um, be deposited into this pool. And then when you deposit your, your kind of unique credit in it, you would get like a, we call it a nature carbon ton, which is a token that gives you the right to redeem any of the credits that are in this pool. So it's kind of like a, a coupon or some kind of like, you know, it has characteristics with commodity, and so now for the first time, we actually have because um, now this NCT is obviously on on Uniswap and Sushi Swap, and like you know, it's trading on, on decentralized exchanges, and we have a liquid market for carbon credits that you know is uh, that is always open. That is like there's no barriers to entry; you can always transact, and you have this you have this price signal now that is coming from. From the on-chain world and is really like going all the way to the off-chain world like uh, the other one is bct the base carbon ton and um we hear like traditional carbon market traders like they tell us the first thing they do in the morning is to check the BCT price because it became such a like good indicator of like where the market is at so Um, this is this concept of pools. It's basically it's, it's grouping carbon credits with similar attributes together to create liquidity and like a, a more like deeper liquidity for for specific types of carbon assets. And you can think of them, you know,
0: yeah. Is it right for me to understand that that you're kind of creating some fungibility between the different exactly. projects with this?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the way there's so many different ways to remove or reduce carbon in the world, you know, that it's we we can never have like a single. A single price for all of these assets, right? Like mm. it makes a difference whether or not you're, you know, planting trees or if you're protecting trees even, or if you're uh, doing soil carbon, which is, um, you know, transitioning to regenerative agriculture, or if you're doing um, blue carbon, which is all of the, you know, things that have to do with the ocean or like mangroves and like these things like are all very different and have different prices. And so we're basically trying to draw circles around... Clusters, I would say, of carbon credits, so that within these clusters, we say, look, within this cluster, there's some level of like, um, like there's, it's quite homogeneous, and so within this cluster, it's okay to create fungibility. But then there's no fungibility, or like there's no, you know, like th- there's no fungibility between one cluster and another cluster.
0: Yes, I see. Oh, that's fa- that's fascinating. Okay, so let's let's just talk a little bit about the the kind of uptake um you guys have some stats on on your website but can you tell me some high level uh, achievements and milestones and and i guess what what the goal is for, for 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 the coming uh you know 12 24 months for for you and the team sure
1: so we launched um as the as the backbone infrastructure for KlimaDAO. So I'm not sure if you if you're familiar with with Klima um but Klima was I've had the them Lotus on the
0: fork. show actually. Yeah. Ah, so <laughs> yeah. Perfect.
1: Right. So um so Klima um we we're, we're basically the you know the 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 layer that um that brought these credits on chain that ultimately landed in KlimaDAO. So um we did I think we have like 22 million credits now something like that that are that are being tokenized or have been tokenized since our launch in october um and i think it's something like two or three billion in trading volume which has been mostly driven by climate um being you know like see seeing the hype that it has seen mm. um so uh, i don't want to claim that there's like um Three billion trading volume because of Toucan, but like we really see ourselves as infrastructure that empowers actors like Klima or others. Like there's 120 projects now building on Toucan. so like our goal really is just to be that base layer, provide these like f- kind of carbon building blocks that others can use to 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 build applications and protocols on top of it, right? So, um, I guess that's probably the stat that I'm most proud of is that like you know we have 120 builders, we have. Um, a specific like developer hub so if you go to developers you can earth um, can it's you know specifically if you if you're a developer you can and how to build with carbon it's it's all there there's a grants program as well that you can apply for if you if you're looking to you know get your project going and build something in in this regenerative finance space so, so yeah that's i would say this is the you know this is where we're at i think in general um refi sort of broader like regenerative finance space is is a bit in a transition period right now because we have you know the we, we it started with a pretty big bang we we tokenized over five percent of vera's credits last year which is you know it's nothing to um it definitely stirred up the market the traditional market mm. quite a bit so um we are right now you know this public consultation that's going on with vera etc like there's there's a kind of a sense-making process happening uh, amongst the amongst the standards how to how to interact and how to you know react to these um new crypto instruments that are coming online, right? So um it's a pretty it's a pretty great time to build and build new stuff because the world is a bit in a sense making uh, mode, I would say. And so yes. uh what's next to Tukin? So we have as I described, right? Our our you know users essentially are builders. So our the metaphor that I like to use is that um we have to provide builders with the best tools and the best materials to build awesome applications. So, the tools is like you know we are like you know building like smart contracts and SDKs and APIs that allow people to more easily interact with carbon. So that's one side, and the other one is the, the materials. So, the materials on Token are the carbon credits and the carbon tokens that you can that you can play with. And so, our goal right now is to really increase the diversity of credits on Token because right now there's a I would say we only have like a subset of all the variety of carbon credits on Toucan. And for me personally, it's important that we that we have, you know, the the whole spectrum from like renewable energies to nature-based to like all the way to tech-based carbon removal, so that we that we give the the people a possibility to choose what they want to build with, or um that we also give end buyers kind of a choice what they want to use for 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 their carbon or like their carbon neutrality claims or whatever comes, you know, whatever reasons they have for buying carbon
0: credits. Fascinating. Well, Rafael, I I think that's a perfect uh, point to end the interview. I really appreciate you sharing all of that with us and and I encourage people to visit toucan.earth uh, to learn a little more and go deeper down the rabbit hole, if they if they'd like to, and also to listen to the previous previous episode with Klima Dao, who made use of uh, Tucan's protocols in in their project. So yeah, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. It was super fun. Thanks, everyone, for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice. And we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com learn. Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller, and this has been the Crypto Frontier.